Well, church, I hope that as you um, were able to sing those songs and, and think about the King of Kings, that He is on His throne, and that if you have been born again, you are in His kingdom. And so no matter what tomorrow holds, I would, man, encourage you that uh, just to remember that the endurance we have in life is is knowing where we get to go, knowing where we, when we leave this place, that we get to be with the Lord forever. And so, and I know that life can have just some really highs, and they're just blessings from the Lord, but I also know that there can be some really tragic lows. And so no matter where you find yourself on that, on that journey, just know that God is still on the throne, and that if you belong to Him, you are going to be with Him forever. And He's given us His Word to encourage us. He knows that life is hard. He knows that we were born into sin, and He knows that we struggle with wanting to go back to the old ways. You know, when the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt, even when they got set free, they still struggled and they wanted to go back to Egypt. And so there's a tendency sometimes within us is that we get set free, we get saved. You know, all of the blackness of sin that has been washed off of us and now we're white as snow, we forget that. And so we think back of the old ways. And, and so what happens is that we slowly isolate ourselves from people and we start to find ways that would make us happy or we think they're going to make us happy. And not really just the happiness of, you know, a, a, an ice cream cone. You know, that can make you happy, but I'm talking about a happiness of life. Your life just feels empty and so then you think, man, I need to find happiness. I want to find uh, what this world is all about. But we're going to look at this. Look at Matthew chapter 5 for trying to figure out what it is to live a blessed life. Matthew chapter 5. This message is entitled, Blessed by God. Now, I would say this. All of us want to be happy in life. I mean, that's what, what our motivation is in a lot of the things that we do. We were seeking happiness. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes uh, we seek happiness in the form of um, dinobites. Raise your hand if you've ever had dinobites, which is the off-brand of Fruity Pebbles, which is the best cereal in the world. And so here's what happened is that Gracie and our crew, they went out to the uh, shops out in Versailles, and they decided to bless my soul with bringing me home a thing of dinobites. Now here's the thing. They did make me happy for a while. And then later on, you don't feel so good about your decision. But that's not the happiness that we're talking about. But our lives can be filled with those temporal pieces of happiness. We think, I'm going to have some dino bites today. I'm going to go fishing tomorrow. I can't wait. Deer hunting is coming. But here's the thing is that it doesn't lead to a blessed life. And so I would say this, that all of us as Christians are looking to live a blessed life, a happy life, one that is blessed by God. And so here we know Jesus goes and he's going to preach the Sermon on the Mount. And so 
Imagine this, is that Jesus is fresh on the scene. He is healing people of diseases. He's casting out demons. I mean, they've, they've never seen this before. And so this huge crowd starts to follow Jesus. And then he goes on this mountainside and he sits down, which is the customary stance of those that would teach in synagogue. And then he calls his disciples and he's starting to preach to them. But then this huge crowd starts to form around. So this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to look at this because the Bible talks about this is a blessed life. And so if you look at the verse, if you look at where it says verse 2, and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed, blessed, blessed. So we're going to see these blessings. But here's what I want you to think when you see that word blessed. I want you to fill in blessed by God. A person that does these things is blessed by God because you're going to see they are totally different than what the world says will bring you blessing or happiness. So if you look at this word blessed, you could also think of happiness, but not in the short-term short sense of happiness, but more of a life that is full and of happiness, like it was a blessed life. Now, if you look at the world, a blessed or a happy life is all about what you can get. It's the here and the now. And we as Christians, we fall into this. And so what we want to do is we want to look at God's word and remember, okay, wait a minute. This is what God says is a blessed or happy life, a blessed by God life. It is amazingly counterculture. Here we go. Well, let's pray first. Lord, you're so good to us. We thank you for your word. Father, we just ask that you would speak to us, that we would have a sense of you in this room, that, that we would know that you are drawn near to us. Lord, help us to understand what a blessed life is, what a happy life is when it comes to how you have set up this world. And so, Lord, I pray that you would teach us, help us to understand your word and apply it to our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So imagine this. Jesus calls his disciples. They all come close. He's on a mountainside and he says this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, think about this. That is totally counterculture. Let me read it to you one more time. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now what we're going to do is turn to Luke chapter 7, verse 36. We're going to see someone who is poor in spirit and who is mourning. We're going to see an actual person live out this verse. Luke 7, 36. Okay, here we go. Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. That's Jesus. And behold, a woman, the, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, 
So here's a woman who is mourning. She began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair. Imagine this. So she, you're there, you're at this meal, and out of nowhere it says a woman of the city, a sinner. So she just comes into the Pharisee's house and she is drawn to Jesus. She wants to get close to Jesus. And she doesn't just stay over here on the side, kind of like maybe where the servants would have been. She goes right up to Jesus and pours an alabaster jar at his feet and starts to cry at his feet. Look, it goes on. Verse 39, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. See, here's the thing is that the world has painted Jesus as someone who's out to get sinners. No, here's the thing is that Jesus loves sinners. Verse 40, and Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now that is an example of Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the poor in spirit. This woman was poor in spirit. And what that means is that when we come to Christ, we don't come, you know, all prideful and haughty and saying, you know what, I guess I'll join your team. I guess if it works out, I'll be a part of what you're doing. No, that's not what it says. It says we come poor in spirit, hat in hand. We bow before our Savior and we mourn. And that is exactly what this woman did. See, here's the thing. The Pharisees, they were all about keeping the rules. Maybe you grew up in a house that was all about keeping the rules. I mean, they had a rule for this, a rule for that. I remember I went to a, a, my neighbor. They had a rule that in order to spend the night at your house, you had to have a ticket. I mean, there was a rule for everything. And so that's the Pharisees, is that, listen, the way that we are righteous or right before the Lord is that we're going to keep all these rules. Now, here's a woman of the city full of sin, but she comes to Jesus poor in spirit, mourning. And here's the thing, is that that's how we come to Christ. And so I hope that was your experience. 
I hope that you might have had a lot of sin. Not that I hoped you had a lot of sin, but if you did have a lot of sin and you came to the Lord and you bowed before him, you cried before him. Imagine that you were this woman. You're like, you know what? I understand what this man can do. He can forgive me of my sins. I will give him anything. She's crying at his feet. Imagine that, ladies. Your hair. You guys love your hair. You take care of your hair. This lady took her hair. She was crying, and she was cleaning the disciples' feet. And you know in those days they wore sandals. The roads were all dusty. Her feet were, his feet were nasty. I mean, imagine the donkeys on the road, and you're like, you know. I mean, it's a nasty thing. I mean, feet are dirty. But here's this woman, she doesn't care, she understands this is the Savior of the world, this is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and she's crying and she's cleaning off his feet. And here's the thing, Jesus is saying this, in order to come to him, that's how we have to do it. Poor in spirit, poor in spirit. And here's what it says, is that those who come to Jesus poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, here's the thing, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the King of and those who belong to him are in his kingdom. And so if you're his, you belong to his kingdom. You're his. And it goes on. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Imagine this. This woman, all of the sins, you guys know how it is. When you have sins on you, they're heavy. And I don't know if you've ever dealt with something where there's tension between you and someone else. And then it goes on. It might go on day after day, maybe week after week. It might have been over a year, and you know there's tension. And every time you see that person, you just know something is not right between you and that person. And then when there is forgiveness between the two, and the freedom of the, the feeling of freedom is like, oh, I feel so good. I feel so good because now there's no. There's no tension. There's no guilt between me and this other person. Imagine this, that you have had the sins of everything you've ever done forgiven. The Bible says that you would be comforted. Look at verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Let's look at a real-life example of this. Everyone turn to Daniel chapter 4, verse 5. 29. I want everyone to see this because if, you've, if you understand who is actually on the throne, we know that our God is the one in control. So, Daniel chapter 4, verses 29. Now, this is King Nebuchadnezzar. So King Nebuchadnezzar, now remember Jesus is saying this, is that blessed are the meek, the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. King Nebuchadnezzar, at the end of the 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon. And the king answered and said, is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? Here's the thing. I don't know. Maybe you've been successful in life. Do you ever feel like this? Do you ever think, do you ever look at your business or things that are going so well or maybe you're an amazing student and then you could say something like King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of the 12 months, 
He says this, walking on the roof is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty. Here's the thing, we're looking at this, this is the opposite of meekness. So if you say, Rusty, I want you to clarify verse 5 of Matthew 5. Well, here's the opposite of someone who is meek. Look at what happens. Verse 31, while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from the heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time, that seven years, shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will. Immediately, the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers, and his nails were like birds' claws. Here's the thing, Christians. Sometimes we get so upset at politicians or people in power. Because we see that they're pride and we think, man, there's something within us that hates pride in other people. But here's the thing is that when we look at God's word and we remember who is in charge, the Bible says this, is that blessed are the meek. Blessed by God are the meek. And so if you're a meek and humble person, the Bible says this, you are blessed. And so King is at the height of his power. And he looks out and he says, look at all this that I have created in my majesty. And God says this, you're going to go out and you're going to eat grass for seven years. A lot of you have cattle. Imagine that. You're out there looking at your cattle. You're like, okay, everything's good. What the world? Is there a man out there with my cows? He says his hair grew real long and his nails grew real long. And it's all he was, God was proven to King Nebuchadnezzar is that I am the king. Look at what happened. Look at what happened. Verse 34. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and He does according to His will among the most, uh, most of, of the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay His hand or say to Him, What have you done? Verse 36. At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Saint, here's the thing. You read verse 5 again. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The only way it is for us to inherit the earth is that we are humbly come before the Lord in poor and contrite spirit. We mourn our sin and we say, Lord, please forgive me. 
And the Bible says this, if you come to God in that way, it does not matter what you have done. See, sometimes we think that, well, God can't forgive me of these things. And here's what happens is that when we have a lot of sins, sometimes we tend to be Pharisees and we think, you know what, man, I better just outweigh all the horrible things I've done and keep all these rules so that I can wash away those sins. The Bible says this, that's not how it works. We have to come to God humbly. And as we do, it says this, we inherit the earth. Look at verse 5 of Matthew, or verse 6 of Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Turn, turn to John chapter 6 for an explanation of this verse. I figure if I have to turn there, that'll give you time to turn there. John chapter 6, verse 30 to 40. Now let me read to you John, or Matthew 5, 6 again, and then we'll read that. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. John 6, 30 says this. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we say that we may see and believe you? They're questioning Jesus. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Now keep this in mind. What Jesus is saying in Matthew 5, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Jesus goes on, he says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. So imagine that. Jesus is saying, no, listen, it's, it's my Father, that one that gave the manna from heaven. And then he starts talking about this bread, and they say, give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread. Like, he's like, get it through your head. I'm the bread of life. Come to me, all those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so as Jesus Teaching on the Mount of Olives, he's telling them those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. And Jesus says this, I am your satisfaction. Saying, how much do we do in this world that we're seeking satisfaction from so many other things? And then we can come into a room and we can sing an amazing song. Tears can just flow from our eyes. And we think, you know what? I don't want to leave this state. When the Holy Spirit moves on you, you think, I've got it. You're my satisfaction. The poor or the rich, it doesn't matter. They come to Christ and they mourn. They come to him meekly. And he says this, I will satisfy you. Say, I hope, I hope that you're satisfying in the Lord. If you're not, the question is this, are you seeking satisfaction from the world? Because it's so easy. Man, it just creeps right in. 
Because if you're seeking satisfaction from the world, here's the thing. The world never ends. Amazon is open 24-7. I mean, even on Christmas, when someone gets you that Amazon card, you can like sneak over into your room because someone got you a gift card and you're like, what am I going to buy? You know you've done it. I've done it. Because I'm thinking, listen, I want to be satisfied, and what is it? I need something else. But here's the thing, Saint, I don't remember what it was that I bought on Christmas. Because it doesn't satisfy. I mean, our life goes by so fast. I'm 43 years old right now. And man, it goes by fast. I talked to someone before the service. I said, does life go by fast? He said, yes. In something weird in the brain, it seems the older I get, the faster it goes. I mean, just life just flies by. And so I would say this, Saint, we want to be satisfied with the Lord. And what is that? What is, how do we get that? We have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And where is that found? It's found in Christ. He says, I'm the bread of life. If you're hungry, come to me. Look, he goes on. Verse 36, But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Saint, here's the thing. If you've partaken of the bread of life, the Bible says this, is that you will be with God forever. I mean, I don't know what you're going through, but I do know this, you're going through something. And the only one that can bring you satisfaction is not what the world has to offer. It comes straight from the Lord. He is your satisfaction. So all you moms that are raising kids and you think, man, this is so hard. Well, listen, come to the bread of life. All you husbands where you're just the weight of the world is crushing on you or you grandparents who are, you're missing your grandkids. They might live in a different state. And you think, man, I just, I need some satisfaction. The Bible says this, come to Christ. Now it's not something that is just come to him and be saved. It's continually come to him as his, as his subject in his kingdom saying, Lord, I need to taste and see that you're good. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation because, Lord, I feel empty. I feel lonely. I feel depressed. I'm anxious. Saying, here's the thing. He wants to draw near to you, but sometimes he'll just stay in the corner and he'll continue to let you try to satisfy yourself with everything in the world. But the second that you turn from that and you turn from him, you say, Lord, I'm sorry. You are my only satisfaction. Man, he will draw near to you. He'll draw near to you. Look as we go on to verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for, for they shall receive mercy. You guys know any merciful people? I mean, are you a merciful person? Aren't merciful people just the best people in the world? I mean, I don't know about you, but when you get around a merciful person, you're just like, I love you. 
I've got a buddy back home, and he is just a merciful person. I, am, I would do, like, mess things up of his and break them, and I'm, I'm always worried about breaking something of someone else's. I hate to borrow things because I'm like, if I break it. And I would just tell him, man, I'm so sorry this is what happened. He's like, oh, man, don't worry about it. I tell him, well, well you know, listen, I messed this up. Yes, we're good. I'm just like, I love merciful people. And the Bible says this, is that God has shown us mercy. Mercy. I mean, you think about all the things that we've done. Maybe some of us have forgotten where we've come from. And we've forgotten all the things that we messed up back in the day. Because maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a long time and you haven't been continuing to mess up like you did before Christ. But remember what you've been forgiven from. Remember what God showed you mercy from. And the Bible says this, Show mercy. Be a merciful person. So as we close, this is what we're going to look at. God has shown us mercy. And it says this, is blessed by God are those who show mercy. And so no matter what you're going through, I would say sneak away to Matthew chapter 5 this week and start to read those and say, wait a minute, blessed by God are the poor in spirit blessed by god are those who mourn blessed by god are those who are humble blessed by the god are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness blessed by god are the merciful and so saint if you are holding something against someone man show them mercy because your heavenly father has shown you mercy and we are to be like our Heavenly Father. Amen? Let's pray. Father, you are so good. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, as we sing this last song, if people need to be reminded of what you have shown them mercy for, Lord, I pray that that would flood over them. That they would remember who they were before you. Lord, help us understand what we've been forgiven from Lord help us to understand where we were going Lord help us to understand who is truly on the throne Lord pray that we would be a blessed people that we would be a happy people Lord pray that you would give us a thirst and a hunger for righteousness Lord that we would mourn and we would draw close to you and then we would continue to be satisfied by you so, Lord, I pray that if there's anybody in here and they don't know what I'm talking about, Lord, I pray that they would understand that your son died on a cross for them, taking the place of judgment, that you died on a cross, paid the penalty for their sin, and you arose again on the third day. Lord, they might have heard it a thousand times, but, Lord, I pray that right now it would just click. They would understand, oh, I get it, I understand. It's all because you opened their eyes. Lord, I pray that they would understand that by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, their sins have been forgiven. Lord, let us be a gentle, humble, mourning, merciful people. We thank you for your goodness. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.